Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two on the Cardiac CT visualization. And we left the first time speaking about volume rendering technique and talking about some of its advantages and potential issues. But I did mention that one of the biggest things was its global visualization. And you can see very nicely in this case, look at the patient's left main coronary artery and its diagonal branches and its um, and the LED. And you can see very nicely the vessel along the surface of the heart in a very nice three-dimensional display. And it's not just simply looking at these static images, it's when you look at things interactively. You can see as we rotate and roam through this data set, here it is in grayscale, showing you very nicely the ramus intermedius and the LAD and circumflex, the individual chambers, the aortic valve. And as we rotate the images and do this entire process interactively, you really can see the strength of volume rendering. Again, you need to adjust the individual parameters of the rendering technique, but it really gives you a really good feel and allows you to open up all the vessels, see everything specifically that you need to look at. Again, you would need to learn how to adjust the lighting models, the trapezoids, but when you do that, look at that terrific visualization. Now let's look at how it works in terms of some clinical cases. So I looked at this example and I wanted to see this patient with chest pain. And what about the coronary arteries? Now I always look at the coronary arteries first to make sure the origins are perfect. And what you'd like to do is look from above. And so let's look at a sequence of images. When you go from above, you'll see in this example that the patient's right coronary artery is well defined but the patient's circumflex is arising off the proximal right coronary artery and then goes posteriorly between the patient's ascending aorta and the patient's left atrium you can see that very nicely and that view from above and you can see we're coming up you really can slice and dice the data sets till you have things perfect and here is that same image with a MIP display and of course when you look at it interactively it's even better and again this is where that interactivity allows you to look for the origin of the left main coronary artery look where the circumflex should be look at the right coronary and go through that data set and make sure you're seeing everything now we know up to about one percent of patients do have coronary artery anomalies most of those anomalies are not very consequential and here's just another example showing you with grayscale and color that the uh, left anterior descending coronary artery and the circumflex arise directly off the left cusp, but there's no left main coronary artery. You see a little bit of calcification in the proximal circumflex, but grayscale color, very, very nice visualizations. You also see the importance of not cutting portions of the image off. Image on your right, the patient's atrial appendage covers the proximal circumflex, so you don't visualize that calcification. Again, the ability to use the data and make sure you're seeing everything shows why interactivity is very nice. Or in this next example, here you can see the patient's right coronary is coming off the left cusp and travels between the pulmonary outflow tract and the ascending aorta. That's the anomalies that are very concerning because you can imagine patients exercising the compressive forces on the vessel between those two vascular structures. And again, the same volume rendering, the same visualization is really ideal in this regard. Now, it's not just native coronaries we speak about. We speak about grafts. In this page, look at the patient's saphenous grafts. You can see the origin 
we follow the graphs downward by looking at the individual rotations. Again, volume rendering is ideal for this. And then, of course, we supplement that volume rendering with the curved planar reconstruction. As I pull out the vessels individually, I then track them looking for the presence or absence of stenosis. And in this case, it looks fine. Volume rendering, as we commented, that global visualization. Look at this case. Patient presents with SVC syndrome. This patient's had aortic root repair. You can see an aortic valve replacement. Well, there's a pseudoaneurysm at the resection site. And look how it's compressing the patient's superior vena cava. It's nearly occluding it. And you can see at the arrow there, you can see at the arrows here, just an incredible example. And how, how can I tell it's SVC occlusion? Well. Look at the patient's chest wall. Look at those collaterals because of the obstruction. And there it is in grayscale, and there it is in color. Just a very impressive example. Again, this global visualization. Another case, pseudoaneurysm ascending aorta. Look at the images. Look at that enhancing structure to the right. It basically has some low density around it. You can visualize it on the uh, coronal, or you can visualize in the actual, as in this example, but look what happens on 3D. Look how nicely you can see that pseudoaneurysm right by the suture line. And oh yes, the patient now has a dissection of the ascending aorta as well. But just very nice visualizations. Even without motion, the static imaging really shows things indeed very nicely. And uh, by the way, there's this first one is the uh, suture line. Second one is the dissection. And when you take that and put it into 3D, you can see with the motion, you see very nicely that slow flow in the pseudoaneurysm. So just a very, very nice example. And the visualizations we can get are indeed incredibly impressive. Look at this example uh, where you see this repair of the uh, sinus uh, of the ascending aorta in a Marfan's patient. You see the graft. And now what you're seeing is uh, you'll see the patient's sinuses of Valsalva are dilating because the graph is being forced downward over time. But again, excellent visualization of the graft, but look how we can visualize the sinuses, which are both dilated. Again, an excellent visualization. Volume rendering in this case. Well, here's axial, coronal, dissection, type A. But the patient uh, had prior coronary artery bypass surgery, and you want to know where you can do the sternotomy. Well, here you can see the sutures, but you also can see where the cabbage was done previously, and that one of the grafts is just behind the sternum. So a different approach would be necessary than a median sternotomy. So again, very nice visualization showing you that process. Now, when you talk about uh, volume rendering, it's also the ideal thing when we look at 4D motion. And 4D is becoming more popular, particularly for looking at valve function. It's something we described a number of years ago. And as you know, if you do a gated acquisition, so you're doing retrospective gating, you can't do this with prospective gating, you have a very nice look at the aortic valve closed and the aortic valve open. But if you take it with the 10 cycles and now you look at motion, you can watch the aortic valve opening and closing. And you could change it from the classic display to reverse the ramp and get a very nice visualization, something you can routinely see. And whether it's the native aortic valve or it's a patient who has aortic valve replacement, you can see the valve opening and closing very nicely. In this example, 
you can see this as well in the next example where I'll show you a few different renderings looking at the valve from directly above opening and closing very nicely looking at good position of the valve and then from a more of a, a straight on AP projection also showing you this very well so volume rendering is really outstanding in that application now we also mentioned MIP and where does MIP fit in well MIP in theory is a technique that falls between volume rendering and thresholding and what you're typically doing is you're looking at a voxel along a line from the viewer's eye through the data and you display the maximum voxel value or should I say voxel value now the thing about it is that when you have no calcification present and you remove all the structures it works pretty well now implementations of MIP vary a little bit between vendor to vendor but not that much not like volume rendering and it has some potential pitfalls and artifacts which you begin to learn and it is somewhat easier again the problems these artifacts the string of bead artifact the problems with calcification obscuring the vessel lumen the potential for overcalling degree of stenosis in the presence of calcification those are indeed all the issues and the key to MIP of course is editing and anytime you do editing it takes time the potential for removing critical structures is always there you can look at smaller slabs which can be helpful but typically then the slabs are too small to give you a lot of the critical information but in some cases MIP works very nicely when you have a vessel and there's no calcification you can see the vessel for a long length particularly when you make the slab a little bit thicker again um, you can make errors in the presence of calcification but in the absence of calcification it's pretty good and look at this set of images look at the right coronary you can see how we roam through the data set did a great job in this case of clearing out the right side of the heart with a saline chaser but very good detail or in this rendered image you very nicely see particularly look at the left coronary artery LAD circumflex just very nice visualizations of the vessel again roaming through the data set doing it interactively is an ideal way of looking at MIP now if you want to compare MIP and volume rendering side by side to understand the important differences let me at least show you one good example of this pulmonary AV malformation you can see it there no great problems with the non-contrast scan but we do the contrast scan look what happens you see the MIP image you see the AVM you see the feeding and draining vessels but you can't really tell much about what's going on as opposed to the volume rendered image where you see specifically the orientation of each of the vessels and the AV malformation and you recognize using lighting models and just the ability to look and not project data exactly the orientation of the structures and as you rotate it around you again can see just much more detail and that's the big difference a projection technique versus volume rendering yes the AVM is there in both studies but you really don't understand it on the MIP image now another thing to recognize of course is, is not just from a visualization perspective but MIP can cause uh, errors so for example in this case this patient has an aberrant right coronary artery of the left cusp but if you look at volume rendering you can see exactly where it arises from if you look at the MIP you wouldn't be as impressed because it looks like it's away from the gap between the uh, aorta and uh, pulmonary outflow tract a whole lot more again with the MIP image it's projected and the aortic root projects over portions of the vessel and you would misunderstand specifically where the vessel arose from 
Or in this next example of aortic dissection, which begins just past the left subclavian with volume rendering. But look on the MIP image. Look what happens. It looks like it begins in the mid-descending thoracic aorta. And that could be a very important difference if the patient plans surgery, if the patient is going to get a stent placed. Again, this is critical information. We mentioned in terms of calcification, I mentioned the importance of MIP in terms of uh, overcalling calcification. And again, calcification is difficult for every rendering technique. Sometimes curved plano works the best because you get around the calcification by going through the vessel center. And volume rendering at times will do a good job, as in this case, of showing you calcifications on the periphery. But if you look at this image, that's a MIP image. It looks like the vessels occluded at many different points in the vessel. And whether you play around with the MIP or not, it's just not going to help you. So again, advantages, disadvantages, issues, problems, you need to understand all of that. So let's go back to my original slides. What's an optimal technique? Easy to use, high accuracy, reproducibility, easy to learn. And again, you need to learn these techniques. You got to learn volume rendering. You got to put the effort in. Very good applications in the heart. MIP is very helpful. Curve planar is very helpful. There's an article where we looked at uh, this in more detail that may help you if you need more information. And there's no doubt, you know, here's a quote from that article that this paradigm of volume visualization across the enterprise is critical, but particularly in cardiac imaging. You need to know how to use the workstation. You need to know how to use the rendering techniques. It's how work is going to get done. The vendors will make things easier. A lot more will be automated. But when all is said and done, you're still going to have to put the time and effort in. And with that, have a great day.